from Studio One at the Worldwide Headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Over the course of the last three seasons in the NBA, the Bucks, Suns, and 76ers have the three best records. That's not the only thing they share in common. Because as of this morning, now all three of those teams are making a change at head coach. With the 76ers announcing they are parting ways with Doc Rivers. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of this conversation about what's happening right now with Doc Rivers, uh, the fact that they've decided to move on from Doc Rivers, raises questions about the why and the how and the when. And the when, I don't think, Harry, is all that surprising. We thought we might get some news today. So the question becomes the why. And so much of this relates directly to James Harden. As much as we want to say that this is about Joel Embiid also, we all know that Harden made it clear after Game 7 when he was asked about his relationship with Doc. This is what he said. When you got here, you said that one of the reasons you wanted to come, if I'm not mistaken, was Doc. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, our relationship is okay. Harry, that's not exactly, I mean, you you know you've sat at those podiums and answered those <laughs> questions. That's not exactly a glowing endorsement from a player. Yeah, no, it, it obviously the, the relationship isn't okay because if it was, uh, I mean, I understand that this was right after a loss or whatnot, but still, I don't think the energy towards your head coach would have been so evident, right, if, if it was better than what it actually was. And James Harden, and Doc Rivers pointed this out, Fitz, he, he had to sacrifice and play a different brand of basketball that he's probably not accustomed to playing, and rightfully so, because you have Joel Embiid, who's your, who's your big man uh, MVP award winner, so yes, yeah, some things probably would have to alter, uh, but... I don't think James Harden was too fond of having having to have to change his game per se and sacrifice. And I'm pretty sure the conversations with Doc Rivers being a point guard and then uh, James Harden, that is, and talking to your head coach about things that, you know, he sees as a team moving forward. I, I don't think James Harden was happy with, but he did it to you know for the betterment of the team. I, I said yesterday I would understand the move if it happened. I also understand why wherever Doc ends up, it will be praised as a great hire. That just feels like the way this is going to go down. Vince Carter, ESPN NBA analyst, joins us right now on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Vince, always appreciate your time, man. What's your reaction at this point to Doc being let go by the 76ers? I was a little shocked. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I know a lot of people feel like, oh, it was the writing on the wall, but I didn't. I didn't. I looked for that writing, and I didn't see it. I just I thought Doc did a, a pretty good job with what he was dealt with. You know, the, they they made the move for for Harden, and you lose some pieces. You, you know, I, I thought they 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 needed more shooting. You know, I I, I, I just I, yes, there's some adjustments that that in game adjustments that probably Doc could have made. Uh, I thought I thought. Missoula made a huge adjustment in putting White on on the bench and bringing in Williams, and you know that that was kind of the swinger uh, in 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 game what was that game six that took the life away from the Sixers, and obviously game seven uh, they 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 came out in the first quarter and played well, and then after that kind of waved the white flag. But 
do do we blame Doc for that? Is that on Doc? I don't think so. I mean, I thought he had them prepared. Now, if if Doc did not have them prepared, yes, it's time to move on because that means he didn't. He the, the players weren't responding anymore. Uh, he he couldn't. He can't have a conversation in game with players because they're not listening. Like that's that wasn't the case. So it's just like you move on, and now you tend to start over. You build a rapport with, for for sure, Joel Embiid. Is it James? You know Harden and, and and Harry. I heard you say about you know the conversation between Doc and and and, and Harden, but it's like Joel has been there forever. So the conversations in my mind have to go should go with him first, you know, and then it can be the two of them together. But I just, I just didn't understand, uh, you know, uh, I, trust me, I get it. When, as you know, H, when, when things go, go wrong in a, mm-hmm. with, with, with a team, organization tends to look at the coach first, remove him before they remove a player. I understand so, it. That so don't mean I like it. Vince, I got I to ask you this because you have Joel Embiid, who's your MVP award winner, right? Who's your best player, your superstar player on your team. And then you have James Harden, and then you have his connection with Daryl Morey. And Daryl mm-hmm. Morey is the main reason why he's actually there. You see a move like True. this get made. What are you thinking as a former player? Did these two guys have something to do with this move? Did they sign yes, off on sir. it? You, you, yeah, you know, you, you, I mean, you you're going down the right path. I, I, I think you know, you know, in, in essence, Maury's trying to get the band back together. You know, if D'Antoni is next, we're seeing his name thrown around as a possible hire. Uh, so because of the offense that James Harden liked and thrived in, you know, in Houston. So yeah, I'm sure they had conversations. You know, I'm, I'm sure that tweet. You know that was out there was strategically placed. You know for a reason. You know to, to set the to set the stage. I mean, should should Embiid want that, Vince? That's my point. That's that's where's that? You know, did that conversation happen with Embiid? You know, did you know we that's you know, we have to find that out because I feel like, in my opinion, Joel Embiid has been there through the dog days to where they are right now. So I I think. Um, that conversation should have been had with Joel and B first and foremost. But, See that that's you know, the what do I Vince, that's that's the part I'm worried about though, Vince, because you know Daryl Morey and James Harden are so linked together. Yes. to their that's Houston what I'm days. I agree with what you're saying. You, you know what I'm saying to the point to where if this decision wasn't 100% signed off on Joel, Joel and B, then then why is it happening? Because he won your MVP. He is the mm-hmm. centerpiece of your team. Everything has to go okay. through him. Yep. James Harden is not at Agreed. that point in his career anymore where everything goes through him. You get what I'm saying? Yes, I 100% agree with you. But James Harden knows he has some say-so when it comes to Del Morey. James mm-hmm. Harden got to Philly because of, you know, Del Morey. So there, there's that, you know, there's that connection. So even regardless, how about this, H? Regardless of if Morey and Embiid had a conversation. Guess what? That com- you can have a private conversation that later on, you know, with each other on what where they're going to go, which could 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 have led to that tweet. I, I mean, you, I mean, I don't know. It seems that way. Like I, I like I said, as you were saying that, I, I already knew where you were going with that, and I, I agree. We're talking to Vince Carter, ESPN NBA analyst on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. So, hear me out. Philosophical question here, Vince. Like when you start thinking about. 
Budenholzer's gone. Nick Nurse is gone. Now you got Doc gone. Monty Williams is gone. Like, right. what? What's the point yeah. of being a coach at this point? You're, you're just doesn't matter what yeah. you've done. You're let go every two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm talking about you're talking about winning coaches, you know, that are uh, well above 500. That still, like I said, uh, are in good graces, if you would, with the players in the locker room. They're getting fired. Not coaches that aren't fit. Not coaches that you know has has like Doc has like seventy games above five hundred. You know, in in his time in Philadelphia and getting fired. Budenholzer just won a championship. Nick Nurse brought a championship to, to Toronto, and and it's just it's amazing. Like you know, I'm all, I'm asked a lot. Like, do you want to coach? I'm like, ah, I don't know because, like I said, the loyalty to coaches, man. Woo. I think the only thing that, fun. the only thing that makes it easy here is the guaranteed money. Like that, that, that maybe that's a, <laughs> like we'll all take the contract for it. You know that that might be the only way. But I tell you, I've been I've been yeah, released right. and cut before. That that's not a fun thing, man. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, the yeah, money man. the money is good, but as men, you know, we do have a sense of pride too, and you don't want to be for let one, go from your job. You your family, exactly, yeah, man. And like a lot of these guys, like particularly if you're older, like you know, and you move your family here and there, and if you have younger kids, I mean, obviously we're trying to set the stage here, but like that's a real thing. Doc is now moving up, I mean, moving his family, like, and maybe he understood, like, and I think that now if you're going into this business as business, like, just like, kind of like football, you know, obviously we always think, you know, not me, that's just how we are as, as, you know, athletes. But, you know, I think Doc understood. And as a coach, you got to understand like now it's, you know, it's, you get the the five-year deal, but you may only see two years Mm -hmm. of actual coach, uh, actual coaching for whatever reason, you know, whether a, a player is not happy or your situation just doesn't work out for whatever reason. So if a, if a team came to you today, offered you a blank check, and you had the choice no. between the Suns, the 76ers, and the Bucks, which job is the best? Uh, calling you guys on and then talking about it. <laughs> oh, that's fact. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, I, hey, I know at least I can always do this and keep a job, man. Like it's, 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 it's tough out there. Like For me, like it was an interest of mine at one point. I think they're intriguing jobs and, and – you know, uh, you, you're seeing somebody like JJ Redick. His name is being thrown around. Like these, like these are very intriguing jobs. But that's that's the one side of it. The other side is, you know, uh, on my podcast, I had uh, Lloyd Pierce, and he said it's more to that job than just mm-hmm. being a head coach. Yep. Your mentor, your father figure, your problem solver. Uh, you know, you have a, uh, you, you have to figure out the travel, like you have the question. It's just so many things outside of just coaching that, that, that plays into being a head coach, you know, this, this decision maker to own a lot of things. And, you know, and, and you know, it's just, mm, 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 mm. I, I don't think I'm ready for that. Well, no, let me rephrase that. I don't think I want that. Yeah, we're just happy you keep <laughs> calling in with us. That's, that's way more fun that way, Vince, man. Yeah, we, man. We appreciate good, your man. time, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for the expertise. Always, man. That's you got Vin- it. Vince Carter, ESPN NBA analyst, breaking it down. I love it. I didn't even ask him which teams. He's like, nope, I'm out. All right, <laughs> Harry, Uh-oh. you and I sat together on first take, and I gave my Lakers take, and it has gotten me destroyed. All right? But what if I told you, I've got a hotter Lakers take, and this one is 100% accurate. Ooh. Give it to you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm ready. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
knocking out the defending NBA champion Warriors. The Lakers head to Denver to face the top-seeded Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Game one of the Nuggets and Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. If there's anything I've learned working on this show is sometimes you got to say it with your chest, right? And I'm about to do that in a way that social media is going to destroy me for. But all I'm saying is, hear me out. Think about it before you just yell at me. That's it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, uh, look, Lakers fans at this point, are treating me like I'm Chris Rock and they're Will Smith at the Oscars. Like, it's just coming in and it's keep my team's name out your mouth. Like, I'm getting it. Uh, Harry, I understand it. This is your last chance. You're going to try to talk. You better fight back, boy. I mean, I mean. I, you better fight back, boy. I've got, I've got a take. I've got a Lakers. And I know, look, I understand. I think I've admitted on this show repeatedly how much crow I need to eat and how wrong I was. But you also know, Harry, that at my core, I'm stubborn. So... That means I got another Lakers take. Are we are we far enough removed from my first Lakers take that I can give another Lakers take? Harry, are we good with it? You ready for this? Let's do this. Let's do this. It would be be Listen to all of it before you react, social media. It would be better for LeBron's legacy to lose in the Western Conference Finals than it would be to go to the NBA Finals and lose there. (gasps) Hear me out. All right. Your goat. By the way, my goat is LeBron. Your goat. Your goat is Michael St- Jordan. State it. Thank you. I'm about to say Every you better state his talk- name. Every time we talk about Michael Jordan, all we talk about is, well, he never lost in the finals. Every stinking time. Have we ever talked about the fact that, I don't know, he did lose three consecutive years in the playoffs to the Pistons, including nope. twice in the conference finals? No. We don't talk about that at all. Every time we talk about the Buffalo Bills in the 90s, what do we talk about? Four straight Super Bowl losses. And we talk about them like they're absolute trash. The way these things work, if LeBron goes to the NBA Finals and loses, he will be 4-7 and seven in his Finals appearances, which means for the rest of his life, Stephen A is going to be sitting up there on first take telling you, well, he lost seven times in the Finals. If he doesn't get there, if he loses in the Western Conference, it's a plucky effort for a year. We didn't expect this from the Lakers. Everybody will champion it. If he goes to the Finals and loses, it'll actually be worse for the long-term legacy conversation that we all hate about LeBron than it would be if he gets to the finals and he loses. This isn't even a take. It's just a fact. Well, I would also say, like, if he goes to the finals and loses, he would now have seven of those losses, more losses in the NBA finals than Michael Jordan won the NBA finals, which is six. Oh, say, wait, wait, say that again. Say that again, but give me, a, like, first take Stephen A. Give that to me, first take, because this is what Let me gonna... tell y'all. No. Let me tell y'all. If LeBron James goes to the NBA Finals and loses another one, that will give him seven, seven losses in the NBA Finals. That's one more than the six NBA championships that Michael Jordan has won. I'm telling you. That's why MJ is my GOAT and LeBron is y'all's GOAT. 
I just gave you a sneak peek to what first take is going to sound like for basically four years of LeBron debates every time we have them. If he loses in the NBA, look, the all the, the perfect situation here for the Lakers is that they go to the finals, they win the finals, everybody can be happy, kumbaya, it's another ring for LeBron. And I've said a million times, nobody's changing their mind. If you are Team MJ, ain't a damn thing that's going to happen in the world that will change your mind. If you are Team LeBron, ain't a damn thing that's going to happen. So all of this just becomes some sort of argument fodder. And we all know that the more everybody in the barbershop's arguing about it, what they're arguing about is the one stat that only has this bubble, and it's <laughs> NBA Finals. NBA Finals. What was his record in the NBA Finals? Again, I will ask you, why do we never talk about the losses to the Pistons for, for MJ? Because they don't matter, because he was undefeated in the Finals. Nobody will talk about losing in the Western Conference Final to Denver if they turn around, and that's just the way it plays out. But if they lose, oh my god, and oh my God, if they lose a championship to Miami, oh, uh, this exactly how it's going to go. It's going to go this way. Exactly. Oh my God. LeBron needed a super team in Miami and he just lost to one man in Jimmy Butler. That's the way that goes. If they lose to the Celtics, oh, Oh, the Lakers lost to the Celtics because of LeBron in the fight? Like, this is what we're going to do over and over. You lose to Denver, so what? You lost to Denver. You lose to Miami or the Celtics? Oh, people are going to go apoplectic. Well, here's the thing, too, when when you look at the Denver Nuggets, right? You talk about a guy, Nikola Jokic, who won back-to-back MVPs, right? And the hunger for him to be able to get to an NBA championship, we all know it's there. Especially when in 2019-2020, LeBron James and Anthony Davis was the reason why they didn't get to that NBA Finals in the bubble in the Western Conference Championship. And then Anthony Davis got the best of Nikola Jokic. So when you look at it in totality, we're expecting to get the best version of Jokic in this series. And I think It'd be easier for people to accept losing to Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals more so than it would be versus the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. Because you got to remember now, the Boston Celtics is one of the Lakers' rivals or biggest rival, right? We, we talk about yeah. the Magic and the Bird days and that history. So it's so much behind that matchup as well. That, you know, Laker greats and Laker fans would want you to beat the Celtics. And if you lost to them, I think they would be fairly upset. Yeah, I mean, they're upset you lose to the Celtics. Every NBA fan that hates LeBron for the super teams, right or wrong, I'm not trying to get into that debate again. Every NBA fan that hates LeBron for the super teams would use Miami and the fact that it would be a non-super team version of Miami beating LeBron who needed a super team in Miami. Like, this is what... Well, Boston's not a super team either. I know, but I mean, the Miami tie to the super team yep. is going to be the way they'll tie it. And you're right. There's just the Celtics-Lakers history alone will become how many times will we hear, well, LeBron with the Lakers couldn't beat the Celtics. That That's what we're going to hear. Nobody's going to talk about what happened in the Western Conference Final, but man, if the NBA Finals is anything less than a win, it will be used against LeBron in a court of public opinion over and over and over. It's not even a take. This isn't even a take. It's just smart logic. Guess what? What? Guess what? what? I have on Jordan shorts, Jordan socks, Jordan shoes. So we all know who my goat is. Do you think this is something that I would use in my arguments? I mean, in the future, if we're talking about the goat of personal brands of sportswear, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like what are we talking about? Shoes? I mean, uh, but look, and, and, and I have to say this though, because 
I don't want people to get misconstrued and think I don't like. I, listen, I love LeBron James. Like what he's been able to do for the game of basketball and also outside of the game of basketball has been phenomenal. And I do believe he's the second best player all time. I just happen to have Michael Jordan up there uh, at, at number one. But if LeBron James loses in the NBA Finals mm-hmm. and gets another tally in that loss column, it just gives me more ammo. That's all it does. How's this song go? LeBron, if I could be LeBron, I want to be, I want to be LeBron. Oh, no, it's oh, not how it goes. All right, I'm going to ask a oh, Lakers no. fan to sign off on this take. We'll see how that goes. Plus, is one of the biggest stars in all of sports cheating? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Every time we talk about Michael Jordan, all we talk about is, well, he never lost in the finals every stinking time. Have we ever talked about the fact that, I don't know, he did lose three consecutive years in the playoffs to the Pistons, including nope. twice in the conference finals? No, we don't talk about that at all. Every time we talk about the Buffalo Bills in the 90s, what do we talk about? Four straight Super Bowl losses, and we talk about them like they're absolute trash. The way these things work, if LeBron goes to the NBA Finals and loses, he will be 4-7. and in his finals appearances, which means for the rest of his life, Stephen A is going to be sitting up there on first take telling you, well, he lost seven times in the finals. If he doesn't get there, if he loses in the Western Conference, it's a plucky effort for a year. We didn't expect this from the Lakers. Everybody will champion it. If he goes to the finals and loses, it'll actually be worse for the long-term legacy conversation that we all hate about LeBron than it would be if he gets to the finals and he loses. This isn't even a take. It's just a fact. I mean, I hear it again, and I still don't find the flaw in it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got baseball to get to with some controversy, but we'll start with LeBron. Why? Because Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider, is a Lakers fan. Buster, you just heard me <laughs> ranting about the way we'll view LeBron if he loses in the Western Conference Final versus the way we would view him if we lose in if he loses in the actual NBA Finals. How right am I, and why is it absolutely the perfect take? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just going to say this. You know, don't ever get. Uh, I, I hope no one ever asks you to like paint a room in your house because you're going to wind up in a corner surrounded uh, and you're not going to not know how to get out of that corner. That's all I'm going to say after hearing that. I don't know how you got yourself to that spot, but wow. Buster, let me, t- let me tell you how, 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 we, how we got there, though, because, you know, I'm a huge MJ fan, and, and MJ is my GOAT. Right. LeBron James is Fitz's goat. So he doesn't want to have to hear it from me if LeBron loses another NBA finals, because I like to, you know, I'm, I'm always going to go to a, you know, Michael Jordan was six and oh in the NBA finals. Yeah, Stephen A is going to scream that every day. I'm every day. I'm <laughs> so that's that's really where it's coming from. That's where it's coming from, Buster. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you're going to ask any player. Has it ever occurred, and Harry, you know this better than I ever would, ask any player, like, 
have you ever thought about losing earlier in the playoffs because it might be better for your legacy? Like, that is not something – that is not a thought that occurs to any athlete I ever covered, let me tell you. No, it never occur- – look, it's not the right thought from the athlete's mindset. I just happen to work in this business, and I just know what we're going to be here. Uh, we're talking to Buster well, Olney. Uh, yeah, they're, they're pointing out Mike Trout's never won a postseason game, so is he better off go- getting to the playoffs and getting swept again or not making the playoffs again? Total different right. conversation. All right, like when we're having the greatest of all, this is what's happened to Buster. We've gone wildly off the rails. And this is all Evan trying to distract me from the real reason we needed to have you on because we got heated today. We got heated in our show prep call because you've seen the video at this point. Everybody's seen the video at this point. Aaron Judge in an at-bat against Toronto. He looks right before a pitch. He looks over to the dugout, right? And they pointed out in the broadcast. They said three pitches ago, we saw him do this. And then he did it again right before it hit a big home run. What are we supposed to make of the glance twice in one at-bat, twice in one at-bat by uh, by Aaron Judge? So I can tell you this. Within the Blue Jays clubhouse, there is an assumption that uh, somehow the the Blue Jays were uh, you know accidentally uh, indicating what the next pitch was going to be. It might be that the body where the body language, the catcher, it might be something about where the pitcher is holding his hand. And in the Blue Jays clubhouse, they assume that Judge was glancing at someone who was giving him that information. And I can tell you that there also was a feeling, uh, you know, among some of the people I've spoken with, that you know, the Blue Jays feel like, you know what, that's on us. Like that's it's our job to 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 be better than that to be giving away pitches. As you know, Aaron Judge after the game said it was about the chirping from the Yankees dugout and it was distracting and he wanted them to move past that. I don't know what the truth is, <laughs> but I can tell you what the, I can tell you what the Blue Jays are saying. Uh, you know, and everyone wonders is going to be repercussions given the fact that Aaron Judge is so highly respected in the sport. A and B. Kevin Gossman's pitching for the for the Blue Jays. He's not someone who routinely likes getting into this. I don't think they're going to be. There's going to be any fallout from this. I don't think there's going to be any repercussions. Now, if there was a hot-headed pitcher who was starting tonight, who knows? But I I don't think there's going to be any falling dominoes. And people on both teams, I think, kind of want this to go away. And Bus, I would say this from the Blue Jays' perspective: don't tip your pitches. Right, be better in That's those exactly regards. That's exactly how they're feeling, Harry. That's exactly yeah. how they're feeling. Like, you know what? We got information because he was looking sideways. Now we're starting to wonder: Are we doing something wrong that we need to correct? Yeah, I like that. Is is there anything more than tipping pitches that we need to be worried about? Like, I, I, I benefit of the doubt here goes to Aaron Judge. You're right, but as we discussed in our our meeting today, baseball has lost some of that benefit of the doubt when it comes to pitching specifically. There's so much controversy around it. You're more familiar than any of us with the systems that are now in place. Should there be any concern that there is something greater than that going on? And you're talking uh, generally, I'm assuming, Fitzy, sort of assuming, uh, or not, not assuming, but you're referring to uh, the possibility of electronics being used for it. Uh, right. I, I just don't think that that would happen. You know, now baseball actually, MLB has a, an employee stationed in the clubhouses watching how they're using the video. Um, and, and let's face it, Aaron Judge, who is a smart guy, <laughs> He knows all eyes are on him. He's incredibly careful. Uh, you know, this is someone who, after the sign stealing scandal broke, and I can't remember exactly the wording of his tweet or what he sent out, but he essentially 
subtly rip the Astros for doing that. Can you imagine mm. if it were determined that he was getting signed electronically? I, I just don't think he would do it, A, and I think he would understand the risk in doing something like that. And, no, I don't think he was engaged in that last night. Well, and I will tell you this, too, that players – generally believe that the whole issue of pitch tipping, you know, whether it's the way the pitcher holds his glove or a catcher uh, when, when he's giving signs and setting up early in his position behind the hitter, uh, people, players think that's fair game. And that if they're, not, if they're giving away the pitches with something they're doing, then it's on the team that's doing it. And uh, it's not on the you know, hitters like Judge in that situation last, last night. Buster, it's just some about those New York teams. You had Max Scherzer. Now you have Judge oh. looking in the dugout. The Braves would never do no, such things. Is, they would never do such this, things, this Buster. This is what I deal with, Buster. Every day. Every day. Uh, Buster, what I know is that the Braves talk is never going to end from Harry. And what I also know is that we need to have you back soon so that you can get me caught up on everything I need to know about my soon-to-be Las Vegas A's. Like, I'm just starting to get a little excited. I don't love the color scheme. Green, yellow, not really my color. But I'm all in on this. So we need you to come back and and get me educated on everything I need to know about why the A's are going to turn it around and be better in Vegas. We'll go with that. Like, that feels like a... Good. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, Buster, appreciate you, brother. Always appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks, guys. Love talking with you. Everyone loves the NFL, but there's one idea they could steal from college football to make it even better, and they could have done it this year. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. I like your haircut, my man. The oh, little buzz cut. Thank I'm Lieutenant Diane. Looking like Forrest Gump over there, my Wait, man. Wait, does I that like make it. you Lieutenant Dan and me Forrest? <laughs> I, I'm running. I, by the way, Forrest Gump. I, no, I like your haircut. I like it, though. Forrest Gump, wildly overrated movie. It was not even a good movie. Oh, it's a great goodness. soundtrack. You just say anything right now. Like, what are you talking about? It is not an overrated movie. It, it's, 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 what, what was the point? I mean, the soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks of all time. But what I'm was the point? i smart man. Yeah. <laughs> Perfecto. Was was Devin Devin working behind the scenes? Was Devin ready with a with a force gump drop? We didn't know we were gonna do that. He said gump and I typed in gump and we got a lot of options. I mean that is that is fast acting to an actor right there. That is that is well done. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. <sighs> my mom sure does care about my schooling. Um, all right, so I, obviously we all know the NFL schedule has been released, and we know that for the first time ever we're getting a Black Friday game. What we didn't know is we were going to get more insight into that from Adam Schefter on the Adam Schefter podcast. Really interesting because he talked to NFL executive Mike North, uh, who is in charge of the schedule and, and really is the main person behind all, behind it every year. And one thing that Mike talked about that I think is pretty interesting is that the Cincinnati Bengals lobbied to host the Black Friday game. Uh, the Jets have lobbied, obviously. But what they want 
or there are multiple teams that are raising their hand to try and be the host every single year. And this gets interesting to me, Harry, because we can we can make up for the mistakes of the past here, right? So first yep. and foremost, Thanksgiving Day, we always get the uh, we all, we know we're always going to get the Cowboys. We know we're always going to get the Lions. And I'm saying that graciously this year because I think the Lions are going to be very good. But for most of my lifetime, I would say we've been stuck with the Lions. In my mind, first and foremost. If you're going to give a team the guaranteed Black Friday slot for the rest of time, you should start by looking, I don't know, at the last 30 or 40 years at most winning seasons. Like, Give me a team that you know is going to have the most relevance year in and year out if you're going to make me suffer through their game nationally. So I'm talking like, you know, the Patriots, the Chiefs, uh, the Packers, a team that's good more often than it's bad should be in that slot. I don't want the Jets to, take, to get a permanent slot there just because they happen to be good this year. Exactly. I think looking into that and also fits like college football. We both work in college football and usually rivalry uh, week. We have what the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Um, sometimes you may have uh, Iron Bowl, Al- Iron Bowl uh, Alabama, Auburn. Yeah. It's just a lot of different rivalries in college football, Georgia, Georgia Tech, that a lot of people love. And it makes college football go to another level. I think. The NFL needs to do something like that. And you look at the week of Thanksgiving and you have a few games on there. You got you got the Jets and the Dolphins on 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 Black Friday. You have the Falcons and Saints. I would love to have seen the Steelers versus the Ravens, more so the Steelers versus the Bengals. Um, I would have loved to see the Tennessee Titans versus the Houston Texans, uh, per se. Also, I would have liked to see the Cowboys play the Eagles. I just think little things like that on a weekend that a lot of people that love college football and also love the NFL already have in their mind as rivalry week that you can add another dimension to the National Football League as well. I love the concept. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. The idea of taking Rivalry Week, which uh, I spend all year working on saying so that I don't screw it up during that weekend, it hits different because it is the holiday and because college football fans spend all year looking forward to that Mm -hmm. matchup. The idea of the NFL doing the same thing on Thanksgiving weekend, I think is actually brilliant. Like, give me a game. You know, this year we're getting uh, uh, getting some of that, to to your point. We get Packers-Lions on Thanksgiving. We're getting Commanders-Cowboys on Thanksgiving. We're getting 49ers-Seahawks. So we're getting divisional games all over the place. I love the idea of just a landmark weekend in the NFL where, hey, we're going to take up Thanksgiving. We're going to take up Black Friday. We're going to take up Sunday. And through the process of doing that, we are going to give you your team's most hated rival. We are going to give you a reason all year to look forward to that game that season. Because we all know that part of what makes the – we'll use the Iron Bowl as an example. If Auburn sucks – but somehow they beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, it hits different, right? Like, oh, yes. We all know that, that that rivalry week means so much to a fan base. I know that, look, the Raiders are not going to be competitive against the Chiefs this year, but if somehow the Raiders were to beat the Chiefs on Christmas Day, that's like a Christmas present to me, right? If I could yep. do that on Thanksgiving, where you have this one game that just feels a little different, hits a little harder, you know, you could, you could do sort of silly stuff around these particular games. I think it makes a ton of sense to do a rivalry Every week around Black Friday, particularly, it's a it's a great idea in my mind. And I think for like the Falcon Saints rivalry, I think they they've tried to put that game when it's in Atlanta 
more so around Thanksgiving. And normally they try to put also the game when it's in New Orleans around uh, Halloween. Uh, that, that's been huge. They, they didn't do it like that this year. The Falcons played them on November 26th this year. And then the last game, I think, of the year um, in 2024 to end the season. But I just think it's a lot of different spots, man, where you can, you know, you have something to gain if you're the National Football League when it comes to scheduling. Because football is king and we understand what the, what the NFL is but I think now when you're looking at a broader picture just taking it to another level and just adding to the dimension of greatness that it's already that it already has let's see what John in Indiana has to say about it triple eight say ESPN 888-729-3776 what's up John hey how's it going guys great thanks good uh one justification I'm not saying it's a great justification for certain teams to keep their Black Friday schedule is that it may be the only time that their fan base can see them on a national platform. So I'm a transplant from Michigan. I'm I'm a lifelong Lions fan. Um, And that's the only, one of the only times, I don't get it in the market here, one of the only times I ever get to see them, and it actually, for me, makes Thanksgiving uh, an exceptionally fun time. Uh, And I totally respect that. I mean, as you, you guys all know at this point, like I grew up a Raiders fan, and particularly before I had the Sunday ticket, one of the hardest things is that you got to go to a sports bar to, to watch the games, and sometimes it's hard to find places around. Like It's not as easy as everybody thinks it is. John, I totally feel that. That's got to be special for you. The only thing I'd say is that for every Lions fan that enjoys watching it, there's like 100 non-Lions fans that don't enjoy watching it. They've been bad for a long time. I'm, I, I'm not trying to you-know-what. Well, they're, uh, they're good now. Yeah, they're, no, good they're good now. This, so this year, like, it's going to be a Hopefully they don't, they don't go back to what they were in the past, and then we could continue this trend of them playing on Thanksgiving, and it'd be a meaningful you know game that people want to watch and see on their team and people want to see play every year on Thanksgiving. But between Christmas and Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Monday Night Football and Thursday Night football and Saturday games late in the year. It feels like they're giving us enough TV windows that hopefully teams will have the opportunity, if they're any good, to still be out there and be seen. You guys are always welcome to call in 888-ESPN 888-729-3776. Love it when you guys interact with the show. Coming up, why LeBron would benefit from losing in this round of the playoffs. Hear me out. It's not as crazy as you think. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 